Hello and welcome to Keyframes, a podcast about anime. I'm your host, Ben Halliburton. With me today is Andy. Hey, hey, hey. And Duncan. Hey there. Uh, I'm not going to recap what we talked about in previous episodes because we are doing recap <laughs> pod we should recap episodes for this podcast. Previously. Look, all the transitions can't be good, <laughs> just like recap episodes. So um, if you watched anime in the 90s or early 2000s, you are very familiar with a certain type of episode called a recap episode. Or uh, is it is it Shoshuhen is the Japanese term or something? Mm. Uh, I know that I know that from a... <laughs> I know that from a Haruhi, Melody Adventures of uh, Haruhi Chan, one of those like many things. Yeah. They say if um if we travel through time, this episode will be a recap episode, which is one of my favorite Japanese jokes ever. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, but uh, so yeah, if you if you watched anime in the early days, but not too early, um, there is this idea often at the break between one core and another core of an anime, they'll have a recap episode, which will just be what we'd understand in in the west is a clip show um oftentimes they'll dress it up more or less but usually it's a series of scenes uh from previous episodes with voiceover uh narrating what's happening and what you should have gotten from that uh this was necessary in an age before dvrs in an age before on-demand streaming uh when you might tune in to trigon in episode 12 and you need to know what's going on with this guy and his like weird mutating arm and all the, the crazy clowns who are after him. <laughs> and so then episode 14, you get a recap episode. Um, or alternately, sometimes movies were recap movies, which were often paired in double features mm. with shows that have a movie finale. So you can, if you've never seen the show before, which may be possible if you don't have a VHS or whatever recording technology uh, and you go to a show and you watch Evangelion death and rebirth, um, although it's called something else now, it's called like Rebirth Squared. I don't know. I can't keep track. Uh, and then you have End of Evangelion so that you know everything going in more or less. Um, so <laughs> these are something that were almost universally hated at the time. And now that they don't exist anymore, I kind of miss them on a very abstract level. So that's mm. why I wanted this to be a podcast topic. I uh, we're going to talk about good ones, bad ones. Shows that needed a recap episode now that you don't get recap episodes anymore. So, yeah, Andy. I, I, was, I was just going to say, I think we have watched um, in previous episodes ages ago, maybe one of the best ones, which was Fist of the North Star, which um, whilst is a terrible show and I didn't enjoy the recap <laughs> series, but you did get ultraviolence, which I think is what the original show lacked. That's true. I do think a lot of recap shows go for plots instead of for highlights of action and character, which often makes them boring because you're just basically attending a visual history lesson of what's happened <laughs> in the world of this anime so yeah, far. Yeah. Like, um, to, to start right off, uh, Turn A Gundam, ring the bell, I mentioned it, but, uh, but I am watching with a friend and episode 16 is a recap episode and it is the worst recap episode I've watched in a decade or more. Um, First off, it's divided by theme, not chronologically. So it's divided by, like, war, characters, the romance subplots. Um, and it's just delivered with these really extremely ugly CG bumpers that are nowhere else in the show. So it looks visually different from, mm -hmm. from the show itself. It's everything that is the worst of a recap episode. So we can start at the bottom and move up to the top. Because, like, yeah, just, like, rotely repeating events... Not really rearranging them. If you're re rearranging them into a framework that like gives some sort of narrative, that's good. But this is just like 
here's a bunch of shit that happened in the last 15 episodes in case in case you just turned on your TV and decided to watch this weird story of a of a but, World War Two World War One era society fighting <laughs> against giant robots. So, but then there's also I think the other side to uh, B cap episodes, which is say like your traditional shonens like Naruto, One Piece, mm-hmm. uh, and famously Dragon Ball Z, where they just run out <laughs> of manga, so they're like we have to have an episode out because it's a weekly serialization. And we don't have any source, so we're just going to recap stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Which is why famously you got like the Dragon Ball Z charging episodes um, and Naruto, which is not a recap to make to be clear. But it's, yeah, but that's true. It's not a recap. It's slowing down. Wait, I haven't watched GBZ in a while, but like, are there recaps where someone's charging and then they cut away to like previous events? Honestly, I'm because like, that would be kind of amazing <laughs> i i haven't i haven't really seen dragon ball z but that's oh, what no. i kind Don't of i know that's what i kind of imagined it was like how can they just be charging for like three hours to it? well <laughs> that's why but i mean i know that say like one piece would have done it and i, I know that like naruto has done it even yeah. when oh yeah even when and this is in shippuden they've done it even when they've also had a hundred episodes of pure filler beforehand so they had shit tons of manga to catch up on. Uh, yeah, really. Filler wound me recap up. though. Yeah, filler recap. <laughs> yeah, I remember that happened in Bleach. Like, this is anime original stuff that doesn't plug into the plot <laughs> at all. You don't. You don't need to recap this. Like, it doesn't matter for people to know it. But they have to keep up appearances. Mm-hmm. And I do think you're right to like touch on like recaps are often about keeping up appearances. Like when um when schedules slip. Girls and Panzer, which we'll be talking about fairly soon, or even Wonder Egg Priority, which we never finished talking about properly because the the finale the finale was such a disappointment. I genuinely uh, speaking of recaps, though, um, you shouldn't you shouldn't you will have a better opinion of the show hundred percent not watching it. Uh, but uh, but yeah, like recaps are often used these days just to cover up schedule slips, mm. and which means that they often don't break at a proper at a proper like chapter point. They're just like. I mean, that's why that's when I quit Bleach was when um, one of my rare instances of quitting an anime was when uh, when they ran out of manga during the middle of a fight. And they're like, uh, OK, so we're going to do a flashback to some stuff that hasn't happened. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> you can't do a you can't do like a uh, like a recap filler arc in the middle of a, of a show. No, it's yeah. it's it's funny how they're deployed now, which is exclusively as a as a failure in production as opposed mm-hmm. to as part of like making a stronger storytelling experience well, which is the ideal i think of recap episodes i think that now what we get more accurately is um the director's cut so we get sort of like mm. what v zero did which was just you know bang two episodes together and edit keep put the blu-ray edit basically up bang them together and that's that's like a re-airing of a, a season for no money that's it's interesting andy because like i do think the one kind of recap slash compilation I, I've always struggled to understand is the actual cinematic release um, recap f- films, which seem to crop up. And mm. that kind of boggles my mind. Like, I, I just don't understand it. Like, you already know all the plots, and so and it's going to be exactly the same. It's just going to be slightly shinied up. And like I, I do like me some shiny anime. Like let's not not yeah. get, get anything wrong here, but I don't understand why you would have a cinematic release for a story which has already been told in a w- way which has already been told, and all you're changing is just the presentation slightly. And I know it's kind of like 
something which doesn't happen in any other media because you don't have when they're filming the sopranos you don't have this one shot world where james gowald or feeney suddenly goes off model and <laughs> they have to have to refilm him a, 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 a decade later or whatever um it does feel such an alien concept to my media landscape like this this idea of uh, you actually go to a cinema to watch a, a compilation film yeah it really unlocked it for me when when i was reading some some commentator who was active in both the japanese and english anime markets and was just like yeah it's just for people who walk into the theater because they heard of evangelion and and they like want to, they walk in like oh Evan, end of Evangelion's going. Oh, and there's like a, a recap movie beforehand. Okay, good. It's 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 for walking off the street, which is something that I think none of us consider as like media consumers because I have not walked off the street into a movie in since I was like twelve, and my mom did it for me. Yeah, but like yeah, it's it's like not being able to summarize an entire series and then go in. Um, to the next movie with basically this recap movie that's basically giving you everything you need to know to understand the important things, theoretically giving you everything you need to know to understand the important things in the new movie is the role there. And I, I don't have numbers for how well like Evangelion death parentheses true squared, which is the actual name of Evangelion death and rebirth now um, after it's multiple revisions. I don't know how many people watch that versus just into Evangelion, um, but people keep making them. And especially in like the Gundam, the Gundam industry, like cutting down a Gundam series into two recappy movies is a very popular thing. I've just finished watching the original um, Gundam series is free movies on Netflix. And the first thing which is just incredibly obvious is how the pacing just completely goes haywire like yeah you, i mean you know to expect it to an extent you know okay so you're putting i don't know 24 episodes in one two-hour film that's going to take a fair amount of compression what you don't realize is like characters that appear form a deep and lasting bond get blown up an episode like 10 yeah. minutes later and it's like yeah. oh dick Tommy, no, you are a monster. You you just you're just <laughs> introducing characters and just blowing them up the next minute, and it's just crazy how any character apart from uh, Char and um, Amaro barely get at a consistent story on screen. Gundam seems to have a lot of fandom around its supporting cast. Like there are there are definitely people who are just hundred percent uh, Gamma Zabi or just Ramble Ryle um, fanboys, and who just have like this this one character who was took a good chunk of an arc to, and was played an important role in someone's development. And here, they show up for 10 minutes, look broodingly into each other's eyes, and then they get blown up. There's three movies, and they all go at the same incredibly quick pace. You have, like, entire colonies vaporised by massive super weapons, and it's just brought up and gone in a flash. And I can't tell how much of it is Tomino just being a bit of a get towards his entire universe and and wanting to show the horrors of war and how much of it is just we cut out all the bits where they're just hanging around in in, in cruise quarters goofing about. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, the the common like the, the most popular recap films like now uh, is the Haiku movies and they're all just recapping the anime. 
it used to be like, you know, oh, you just walk in and, and watch something. I also think maybe now it's just more of a... They're targeting different demographics. I guess people who are into Shonen are, are sort of more likely to, to stay up and record or watch late night anime. Whilst um, maybe those who are older or don't have enough time on their hands, but they love, they love Haikyuu. You know, they can be like, well, I can mm. either sit and watch a 24-episode series or I can watch these two movies which do exactly the same thing um, than the last mm. two seasons. Oh, exactly is exactly is a bit strong, but yes, I get what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, I mean, it's basically like the, the two big fights that happen in a yeah. volleyball anime. What would you guys say distinguishes a compilation from a recap? Because I have an, an idea what, what it is in, in, in my head, but I'd be interested to know in you two's. I mean, I don't think there is much of a difference. I'm not very helpful there. I have a thought that recaps tend to have a certain amount of, um, not necessarily fourth wall breaking, but stuff along that line. But they they quite often narrated, like it'll either be a, a, a character from the show or two of them having a back and forth and are telling the story uh, from their their viewpoints. I, I do think that the best recaps are actually diegetic. The um, Trigun recap is uh, the two insurance girls going back through all the, the incidents Vash has caused. And I enjoy those infinitely more than recaps that have like a very, like, as you say, fourth wall breaking um, acknowledgement that this is a show mm. or that this is a weird thing to do at this point in a series of episodes. Even even if there's a small framework like the like Evangelion uh, Death True Squared has like the whole idea that they are all coming out and they're talking while they're warming up their instruments as all four characters come to form a string quartet, um, which is honestly lovely. And it's one of the reasons I recommend people watch Evangelion Death and Rebirth, even though it is 100 percent a recap slash compilation movie, is I do appreciate the frameworks. Let's understand that or uh, Evangelion, the series has um it's a report to Zayla, um, who are making a report to Zayla about everything that's happened about the previous angels, and like putting it in the in the context of the sh- of the universe keeps me from from hating it. But I I do have them on the same level. Like a compilation movie, I I would never watch a compilation movie unless they have brand new animation that exceeds ten minutes of 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 the of the running time. I think but honestly, going, going back to that Ava <laughs> recap, I do find that kind of hilarious. Where it's like, so there's. These things good angels that are literally like the <laughs> humanity's biggest problem and is going to kill us all. Uh, oh, but you don't know what the fuck's been happening with them. Okay, I guess I'll tell you. Like, where have you been? Why do I need to tell you this shit again? <laughs> I guess a natural disaster is the exact nature of one you don't really know. It's, you just know that everything's got completely fucked up. You're just in the middle of it. And I think someone being in the eye of the storm saying what's happened like that's essentially what it is yeah Uh, i mm. I mean i think there's there's always suspension of disbelief with a recap because we know that like we know very rarely does anime transition from from its secondary source perspective to a primary source perspective and like flag is a rare example of like where where the shots we see are people filming it, like the idea of found footage or something in, in live action. Um, oftentimes, if recaps are diegetic, they shift towards a more immediate medium. That was not a very tasty set of words to say, but uh, they shift they shift closer in proximity to the event. Um, and that feels 
at the same time more authentic and false. Uh, but I think it's a better alternative to just literally just just the board teacher wheeling in the TV cart for mm. the substitute day and being like, okay, we're going to watch a video on the past five episodes of Gundam. Yeah. Sit yeah. tight. <laughs> I quite like the uh, Mob Psycho remake. That was similar to what I think you are saying, where it's all from the perspective of Reagan and sort of how he took on this like poor penniless child who doesn't know anything. Uh, and it's quite a funny remake. It's just a funny situation where like recaps are largely obsolete unless something awful has happened during the production or in, unless you want to do a event to announce a new season yeah. or to announce a movie because that often happens too where there's a recap and it's like mm -hmm. see the conclusion in this fucking movie. Yeah. I have a very weird relationship with them but when in the old days when recaps did not used to be a band-aid put over a hemorrhaging production schedule it used to be kind of nice to reach those those bookmark points in the show. Um, but I think that's just gone. And like to transition maybe to a different topic, there are a lot of shows that maybe could have used a recap episode. I would have dearly loved a slime recap episode uh, for this season because me and John have been talking and like, oof, there are characters that they were introduced. I'm like, who's that? Who's that? Is that the Gollum from the Labyrinth? What's 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 she doing here now? Is, was that what happened <laughs> when the original when the original season of of reincarnated as a slime happened like half a decade ago? Like yeah, what? <laughs> it, it, but but season two of season two of slime does have a recap episode, which is annoying. And it's really boring. It's it, so, and, yes, and they're also not focusing on the stuff that made like slime interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I just need a list of characters, like weird niche hmm. characters that are going to show up and be like, I'm really important, actually. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Especially when so many of the old, like, so so much of the end of season one is, this will be a story for another time. This will be a story for another yeah. And you're just like, what the fucking tell me now or don't. And I guess that's what you're getting. I always, assume, I always assume that means there's an OVA. I'm like, okay, there's an OVA. I've got to go find somewhere to, to watch, so... <laughs> I think both me and John would have liked to recap for the Log Horizon third season because the distance between those second and third seasons was it was too much. Anything more than a year for us a warm for us a warm up episode, just a a quick quick one before the 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 real season starts, just to remind us yeah. what the hell's been happening. And um, that used to be a thing that happened. They used to have episode zeros that were like recaps yeah. for like long long intervals. Although like Chihayafru didn't have a didn't have a, a recap after like multiple years of of not existing. Um but I didn't need it because like the only characters I had to know were the three characters in their love triangle, <laughs> the end. I didn't want to mention this earlier in case I'm I'm misremembering <laughs> it. Um but Excel Saga, partly the structure of that whole show is is looping anyway. And often we have um Nabashin um popping into the 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 show itself. I wondered if you guys could think of any examples of shows where we get the the staff or the directors talking in the recap episode, where we get like production mm. um, people talking about about I it. Mean, like famously, Gintama has had its own author self inserted in the manga and in the anime. Uh, I can't really remember specifically whether he talks about the backstory, <laughs> but he's definitely in it a lot. As a gorilla with a t-shirt, um, writing a manga that everybody loves, but he has no motivation. Um, and there's definitely been like, there's definitely been great like Gintama recaps, parodying recaps, and just being like, why are we doing a recap episode? 
there's nothing happening. It's like, yeah, but the studios run out of budget and run out of money, so we have to do something. They they had a whole scene where they talk about the pre-opening animation and how expensive that cost to make and how many like pages of animation were involved and all this kind of stuff. And they're just like, and they expect us to get that done in a week. They're mad. What are they doing, Sunrise? I've no- noticed Gintama as a show where a lot of um, ma- fairly major VAs drift in and out of the ca- the cast at some level. So I, I assume it's got like a very strong, strong cast. And so something like that, where you have people who are really familiar and have a really good chemistry, just ha- having them goof around for for half an hour is probably a treat for people who've been following them for yeah, like a hundred. And I, actually thinking about it, sorry, the recap film for Gintama is maybe one of the best Gintama films. Like, it's the only arc that anybody gives a fuck about in Gintama, which is the Zeni uh, Zakura arc, Benny Zakura arc. Not only is it really funny and it's been reanimated, and, but there's also like a really stupid goof about them waiting for a Wa-san and a Na-san, who are both brothers, the Wa-Na brothers, um, because it's made by Warner Brothers. God. And it's a really dumb joke, but they play it for the whole anime, and then he comes at the end, and I'm just like, this is great. This is so dumb, but I love it. Yeah, that's interesting that, that you're talking about a show which is uh, has a really strong parody backbone to it, and so isn't necessarily plot-heavy. And so if what is a... a uh, co- a compilation movie apart from uh, a plot recap and that's an interesting question which it obviously answers and, and also as like a show which is just comedy it's a comedy show mostly like you don't want to go to someone and be like sit through like a hundred episodes of meaningless jokes and comedy and, and goofs and just <laughs> wait for the the benny zakura arc which as a joke they they are they tease for about three months where they're like, are we doing the Benny Zakler arc yet? No, no, not yet. Not yet. That's coming up soon. And then it's just, and then other people will be like, wait, so I don't come back in for another like 25 episodes. I, I thought I'd get more money for this. I thought I was a major character. And they're like, yeah, you are, but only in the Benny Zakler arc. Like even the Gintama animation staff acknowledge that the Benny Zakler arc is kind of the best arc. So yeah. I, I mean, the only thing I can think of is Kill the Kill has like a one minute recap at the beginning yes. of its of its 16 episode where it makes fun of the idea of recap episodes with a little bit of meta. But I can't think of anything. I mean, I can think of many anime directors that it, that insert themselves as much in anime as Nabashin does, um, which is why I miss him. I wish he would wish he still made anime. But uh, <laughs> uh, to one other things I wish I had a, had a uh, recap episode. Uh, this is a very old and infamous one, but I wish there was some sort of recap before the uh, <laughs> before the Martian successor Nadesco movie, because that that movie incorporates a massive time skip, the Prince of Darkness, because it is following on the continuity of the Sega Saturn game that is a sequel to the anime. <laughs> so, like everything, <laughs> everything is different. I actually. I'm one of the rare people who actually like the movie. I think the movie itself is good on its own. It's just very hard to like because you don't really know what's going on because it's a it's kind of like a three year time skip that is only covered in a video game on one of the least on one of the least successful successful mainstream consoles ever made. So, uh, yeah, but 
That feels like a game. That feels like a game that's going to be remade. Like it's going to have a Kickstarter for someone to remake it. Uh, Does anyone like Martian Successor Nadesco enough to to back a Kickstarter of Martian Successor Nadesco? I'm, I'm sure there's a there's a min, minor fan community out there. Do you even know what Martian Successor Nadesco no, is? Andy? No idea. <laughs> uh, too young. Too young. It's it's pretty good. I mean, it's it's parody mecha, which is a genre that doesn't really exist anymore and does mm. not have a lot of relevance now that like mecha is not the dominant genre. Oh, now we have isekai. Yeah. And we have plenty of parody isekai, which don't need recap episodes because, you know, I got tr- I got transported to a different world where I'm super buff and strong and everyone likes me. The end. Before we move off this, we should probably just <laughs> quickly mention the rebuilds of mm-hmm. Evangelion and how recontextualizing a work when you make a recompilation of it is interesting. Like, so obviously with that series that was originally going to be probably far more prosaic than it ended up being because it mm-hmm. was supposed to go out over, I think, a four-year period? Yes, yeah, they planned on one movie a year, which is just stunningly optimistic given what actually <laughs> happened. Yeah. I would also argue that it, it not a recap, and if anything, it wouldn't surprise me if Anno was potentially trolling his fans when he said that it will do four movies over four years. Uh I mean, uh-huh. that's why you call it a rebuild, not a recap, I guess. Recap of Evangelion would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I guess, spoilers spoilers for the final one of the rebuilds. Um, I haven't watched it. Do you want to take your headphones off or do you not give a I damn, I don't Andy? think you should say it, because I don't think there's enough people. I think a lot of people haven't watched it. Oh, man, Andy, Andy's schooling Duncan on spoilers. <laughs> Maybe we should wrap this up. <laughs> yeah. I'm just shocked. Like, like I, I, I was assuming Andy was like, I, I don't care. And now Andy's like, no, this is sacred. You shall not say these words. How, how dare you, Duncan? If, really? If it wasn't for the fact that if it wasn't for the fact that some people got upset that they mistranslated some minds in Evangelion, I would say, yeah, whatever. Do it now. Take headphones off. Okay. Very quickly, there's a scene where uh, we actually get the original series shown in the background as as Rei and Shinji are talking and her saying uh, uh, this is will be a new Evangelion <laughs> in Neon Genesis like and that was kind of delightful to me like they just went for it and it just felt like a, a fitting conclusion of a of this generational work for direct, a director and that was a an interesting use of it, of a recap, of just an acknowledging of what has been before. It's going, yes, this is a thing which has happened. You can come back, Andy. Come back. Come he hither. can't hear come. you. He took his, he took his headphones we're, off. We're, we're, we're come, come hither. Great point. Well made, Duncan. Totally. I'm just going to cut out the bit where you said you were going away. <laughs> <laughs> just just clip that line out and put it in wherever you want that to, honestly. Even, even when Andy's not here, just cut in. Just like, yes, agreed. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, so to keep from repeating ourselves in our recap bit, I think we should wrap it up here. Uh, recaps, good or bad? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, down. Always down. Like, why, why do you need recaps these days? Because you can just rewatch the old yeah. series. Like, it's, it's all on demand. That's why they've stopped. Yeah. I mean, that's why they have, unless, unless they blow up their budget so bad, like poor girls and Panzer did twice in a, in a, in an 11 episode season they have yeah, recap episodes yeah. i mean they did it in, they did it in, they did it in um wonder Egg priority they had a whole recap episode yeah just take a just take a week off honestly yeah, i'd rather yeah. that rather that 
I'm going to say a provisional thumbs up just on the thing that if you're if you're bringing back a series which has been dead for half a decade, I'd like a quick reminder. Thanks. Yes, yes. Make it make it an OVA. Include it with the latest volume of the manga. I don't care. Just let but me, also, give like, me something. In the to... case of Slime, what is this character? You've got a thing called Google? If I have to get up and pause my anime and go to my computer or pull out my phone and... <laughs> no. Just give me some content. Have have your two funniest characters from the anime just do like a just do like a ribald manzai act as they recap the last season. Or just even Andy would like that. Come okay, on. That, that might actually be quite funny. <laughs> Every recap should be a Rakugo show. Well that's actually go. that remind like one of the things I do miss from like the age of good fan subs before again streaming killed that too, was <laughs> they would often have if the character hadn't appeared for a long time, if the fan sub was a very scrupulous sort, they would have a, a pop like have a, a, a translator's note yeah. at the top about who the fuck yeah. this character yeah. was because yeah. you hadn't seen them for twenty episodes. Um, but that's gone yeah. too, and companies that are trying to make money will never bother to like do notes for that. I remember again going back to Gintama real quick, there was one fan subbing group <laughs> Um, is there enough stuff in Gintama that you have to keep track of that make th- that make recaps worthwhile? There is, or? There is well, because there are so <laughs> many bits that are references to stuff like yeah. Jap- weird Japanese like game shows or reality TV or work life, so that, that doesn't make sense. So they translate notes all of them, and then on top of that, there was one episode which is all just a mahjong episode, and at the end, there's about a ten minute additional translator notes that they put on where it just explains the rules of mahjong and where every joke comes from and every and it's like extensive exhaustive research that these guys have gone through just for like a dumb joke show and it was impressive like it was really really impressive i mean i'm an i'm a nerd so i i appreciate being able to have someone explain the joke to me and be like oh i would have really appreciated that had i known the proper cultural context so. Yeah, but you don't. So you just think it's like a, you either laugh because it's a weird bit, or you you just I I don't know. Like, yeah, you're right. I guess <laughs> we're going we're going pretty off base, pretty pretty off off the trail here. Um, but yeah, recap episodes, huh? Uh, join us after the break. We'll be talking a, about Bakarina or My Life as a Villainous. All routes lead to doom. We'll be talking about uh, the Aquatope on White Sand, and we'll be talking about. How not to summon a demon lord, Omega. Jeff is currently screaming in jealous agony right now. (laughs) See you all in a bit. And we're back. To start out, I am going to talk about my next life as a villainous, All Routes Lead to Doom, which we variously referred to over the course of this podcast as Bakarina, Hamefura, and Villainous. Uh, we all really loved the first season. It was funny watching kind of a uh, a dim and flighty girl who's been reformed, re- reborn as the bad guy in a fantasy world dating sim navigate her way to the friendship ending, spoilers, I guess. So we had a second season, and I was excited to see what such a creative show would do a cleared uh, setting where there are no active antagonists coming after Katarina. Uh, And the answer is basically nothing. It's 12 episodes, of which I've seen all of them, where um, there are (laughs) three abductions, there are a few flashback episodes about character backstories. They introduce 
some of uh, one of the character's older brothers and involve them in the plot. And at the very end, at the very end of the very last episode, they give us an actual villain and an actual crisis um, that will presumably go into the recently announced movie. Uh, but yeah, I was came into this very excited and I came out feeling like my time had been fairly egregiously wasted. <laughs> um, like... Yes, it's it's funny to have someone who is basically an idiot because all she's done her entire life is prepare to survive this like interwoven net of four people who if she if she upsets them, there's like a predetermined either video game or fate path that will end up in her exile or death. But now that she's through that, like her being the world's dumbest but nicest person, it just isn't as funny, mm. especially when all these characters who have now become her friends and are all coincidentally in love with her. Everyone in the show wants to fuck Katarina, a joke that yeah. goes from mildly funny to rather tiresome over the course of this season. Um, like they, one of them makes an advance at her and another character like Warren's like, Warren, he has special feelings for you. And she's like, what? And he's like, special feelings, you know, between a man and a woman. She's like, feelings between a man and a woman. And it's like, Jesus Christ, Katarina, you're graduating from high school. No one is this, is this innocently virginal. I think I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second, well, Ben. Like you, you go kind ahead. Of have set it, you have kind of set it up when saying like she spent her entire like childhood and early teenage years assuming that these people are going to try and kill her and that basically she's mm. she's currently like a, someone who's been prophesizing the end of days for 20 years and it's finally happened now she's survived it and everything's okay and she's not entirely sure what to do kind of like demob happy and completely unaware of anything other than surviving yeah, I, ag I agree. But the fact that they decided to make this season take place over an entire year and the fact that this season has exclusively featured people kissing her repeatedly mm. over and over again and telling her they love her and being nice to her. And it's a year of this. She's kissed Giorno four times now. And she's and she's still like, I still think that's a that's a dream I had. And he's like right there. He's like, no, it's not a dream. I love you. And she's like. Okay, well, I don't know if you actually love. It's it's also, just like, yeah, and also it's an like it's a gal. It's like a reverse. I can't remember the proper. It's a BL game, right? Like the original. No, 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 no. It's not boy love. <laughs> no boy. It's love. an otome game. It's a hair. It's a it's an otome game with a hair where she got the secret harem ending. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Otome game. Like the idea that they're playing an otome game, which is mostly revolved around someone falling in love with other people. Like they're con they're aware of the concept of love and people falling into love, and that's why they played the original game. I think that's that's vaguely authentic though, because like the first time you you play like any dating game, you'll probably pick the route which most appeals to you. The second time you play it, you're just there because you want to tick off an achievement, completing that secret route, and like. By the time you're playing multiple routes or something, it's going from emotional attraction to a character to just ticking boxes and completionism. Yes, but also, also, Katarina is a is a fully grown adult. She has, she presumably has sex hormones active in her body. She presumably experiences some kind of attraction mm -hmm. um, because she sees kissing Keith 
and kissing Jordo as nice dreams, but because this is an anime, she can't actually realize that she's the target of attraction. It feels like she's been chemically castrated for the purposes of the plot, mm-hmm. and I feel really strongly that it would have been better just to skip this entire season and then to do it as a funny flashback before a season that is going to be the third season of the movie. It, it goes past being a lampshading and becomes fully Im- like immersed in the worst parts of the harem anime genre, which is why I liked the, original, the first season, because it was subverting it. This person was just trying to get no one to be mad at her, and accidentally she made everyone in love with her. And the second season, I don't know why it existed. It didn't need to exist. It feels like they had no plans for the second season, and... And yet they made it because this was a popular anime. Full confession, I've only seen the first episode. Uh, surprise, no one. Um, but like when we finished <laughs> watching that, Mids was like, why did we like this show again? So my like, initial reaction was just like, well, you know, I guess we're just trying to get used to the char- remember the characters again. It's been a while and maybe they'll do something with it later. Sounds like it's a disappointment. I'm, I'm sad to hear that. Yeah, it's also an, an odd thing because like they do introduce a lot of a lot of characters uh they introduce like the two older brothers and their fiancés and one of the fiancés is just like a master of disguise and is therefore also three other characters in, in the show and i enjoy her though quite a lot yeah yeah she's actually probably one of the best things to be introduced by the second season um but just that she's she's kind of just there as stage manager to make sure that like all of these funny events happen and then tie up neatly I appreciate finding out more of Nicole's backstory. I thought that Keith's Keith's backstory was utterly irrelevant and did not need a three episode arc of him being kidnapped by a dark magic user who we're told are very rare. And now in this season, like everybody's fucking using dark magic. And that's actually (laughs) the plot that's going to launch into the movie. I do wonder how much of this season entirely comes when that film was was greenlit. Yeah, mm. I do wonder if they I do wonder like what the circumstances are because it does seem like there's three episodes about Keith being kidnapped and then there's them graduating slash her having a dream where Achan appears and reveals that there's a second game where Katarina is also the villain and that's the actual plot. It appears in like the last 10 minutes of the of the, of the season. It just it feels so inessential. Uh besides Nicole, I don't think I learned anything about these characters that already wasn't conveyed with great economy in in the earlier season um the wish fulfillment one was felt like a fan service episode although it was funny to like have keith's gender swapped uh world or mm-hmm. someone's world where they're a cat or a bird yeah, or a the, fairy the, it was it's kind of amusing when alan was just what all he wanted to be was a songbird which could sit on a, her shoulder and just warble away yeah <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so I I don't think it's bad. It's like a five out of ten for me. But I just it feels so inessential, and I I mm. I don't know. I I was really surprised at how little direction it had and how little momentum it kept. Mm. It was really strange how that um, Nichols episode was kind of like the season highlighter um, in both in terms of animation and in terms of the character depth they went into. But it, I think in the end, as much as I might devil advocate for it in some ways, I do think you're probably right. It was a bit of a disappointment and it just lacked forward momentum. Hopefully something which will be um, foiled by the uh, third season maybe having people who aren't in love with her because i think generally the some of the more interesting side characters introduced this season are people who are interested in her but not in love with her but strangely that's two sisters Frey and uh, susanda and randall are both um for now yeah good point good point <laughs> <laughs> 
I did like the the scenery chewing uh, performance for one of the older brothers, where he's just when you're first introduced to him, and he's got got that sultry voice, and he's like, "Hello, it's <laughs> my little kittens, etc." And then it's just like you go back to his apartment and just pulls back a huge curtain, and there's just a wall of paintings of his his brothers who he dotes over. And until that point, he's been built up as possibly trying to kill one of them. And that was kind of like a nice little early joke. And that's that's the sort of thing you want more of. It's a joke that works because this is a season in search of an actual villain. And so having this like the the serious older brother um, who's got like this like this dark bombshell fiance and you're worried about them. And it turns out, no, he's just a huge softy. He just like has his fiance like be his spy slash like secret agent to to make his brother's life happier it's a good reveal and then the rest of the show every time they have a conversation it's in front of the massive wall of framed portraits of Jordo. it works <laughs> for me but like when you fake out that he's not really the villain in the next two three four even five episodes you should probably introduce the real villain otherwise yeah. it feels it feels like a kind of cheap joke i mean part of the thing with the older brother is it was a I wouldn't say stunt casting, but the voice actor is one who's very well known for playing uh, villainous, villainous, not villainous <laughs> parts. And so when you hear the the voice of Dio from uh, uh, uh-huh. Jojo uh, uh, doing his normal scenery chewing thing, you immediately go, oh, yes, this is a villain. I, I recognize where this is going. And they executed it really well. And then... And as Ben said, it was probably because there was an absence of threat otherwise, sadly. Yeah. And it's mm. it, it, it's also something that, like, Bakarina did really well in this first season of have, of having these, like, genre fakeouts because it's yeah, very genre savvy. Anyway, Duncan, uh, how do you feel about Aquatope? I think they need to... I think they definitely need to invest in uh, typhoon-proofing that aquarium because it, it did Jesus, not go yeah. well. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we're coming towards the end of this season at of the first arc of uh, Aquatope on the White Sand. And it's gone from being a Sakura Quest light to Mm. something a bit different to that. And that's been a pleasant surprise. I mean, we started off with the, the, the typical thing for this show where City Girl goes to the country, it's healing, she recovers, her career's just been shattered because she wanted to become an idol, but she kind of got derailed and kicked out and she's now in the countryside looking for her real self and that's fine for a couple of episodes and thankfully that's all it was mm. it then moved on far more to the concerns of uh Kukuru, who is the supposedly 18 year old um temporary director of this aquarium the gamma gamma aquarium and she has basically invested her entire identity in this place and all along, she's been told by her grandfather, who has been the director all his 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 life, that actual director, we're going to yeah. shut this place down. And she's been denying that forcefully and with effort and guts for the entire season. And the surprise, which seems to be coming at the ending, is maybe effort and guts aren't going to win out. And that's really not what we're trained to expect. And it's interesting, both in the form that's taken so far and with the commitment they seem to be putting towards it. 
they've they've been sort of reminding us of it throughout the se- season, like just here and there. Yeah, it's closing down. There's a little can- yes, calendar yeah. in the background, and you see getting closer to that thing, and nothing's really changing. They're tra- trying all the typical things they're doing: promotions to bring new people in. They're getting new staff in. They're they're teaching their current staff to be more f- friendly and to understand their customers better. Yeah, it's but, it's every it's every trope of a failing business in anime. Yeah. I feel like. Yeah, definitely. Normally, at, it's at that point where it picks up just enough they can keep going. But what happens instead here is, I think it's it's kind of a one-two punch. First, we get a visit from someone from a different aquarium, which has been set up in the city. The typical trope here is it's the person who works for the uh, the big startup. Um, competition and they're they're the money bags and they're here because they're arrogant and they they don't understand the charms of their this little business and they play on that a bit but they also get across that this is a person who's worked really hard to do the job they want to do and who cares for the uh wildlife in the same way that they do and that Mm -hmm. maybe the things they see wrong with this aquarium are things which aren't just about the guests it's about the things which are being housed in there, which is something which comes even more into play in the the latest episode, which takes place in a typhoon and where you have this dilapidated aquarium, which has until until this point, that's kind of been its charm. It's been like how old fashioned it is and how nothing's new. Mm. But when you take this thing, which is made, as they say, oh, it's made it through every, every seasonal typhoon, Till now, thing with anyone and anything is that one day you don't make it through. And this was the time where uh, Kukuru gets to realise that maybe the Gamma Gamma isn't going to make it through this time. And when we get to share that revelation with her. And emotionally, I thought that was surprisingly powerful. Yeah, I thought the same thing too, because... I think the comparison to Soccer Quest is inevitable because of the production studio and um, some of the staff. Um, and I was finding the same rhythm of just like they have a plan to fix things up. It works, but not that much. They have a new plan. And there's always the kindly old man at the edge of the action being like, oh, yes, well, if it, <laughs> it like vaguely promising that if it that if the, the aquarium revives, then sure, it can keep running. And then we finally have the fact that like we have a mid-season crisis of where um, finally the old man's like, look, this aquarium is really old. It cannot ex- it it it's falling apart. We can't afford to make it nicer. It's going to become a health hazard for the people who work in it, for the people who come there, and most importantly for the fish who live there. So like your dream is nice, but it can't happen. And then Kukuru has basically a breakdown where she barricades herself inside the aquarium and then a typhoon comes and basically shows her that this safe space that she's built for herself is not a safe space like it's it's permeable this is a this is an old crumbling building that is falling apart and there's no amount of ganbate that can that can keep it functioning um like this is the end of gama gama aquarium like i i would be impressed immensely impressed if the next core the second core of this two core anime is going to be about all the people who are displaced when this when this magic aquarium that lets you see people dead or long gone if you arrive at the right moment in the right state of mind like what happens when it's gone 
or the one thing I, I I noticed is it has a subtitle. It's the Acrotope on the white sand, and then in smaller writing, two girls meet in the ruins of damaged dream. And when that starts, we think it's the dream of Fuk- Fuka. We think it's her dream, her idol dream has collapsed. And just, but what we're seeing now is maybe this is Kukuru's dream, which is the wreckage, not hers. And that's that's kind of a. a a big twist when what happens if the thing which has healed you is took away and like that would be very interesting if they commit to it uh, the other thing which we haven't mentioned is that Fuka's been offered a lead role mm-hmm. Th- throughout this it's been okay she's she's been washed out as an idol um, yeah. she gave up her chance it's gone forever she'll, yeah. she'll never get another chance and suddenly out of the blue phone call she's offered a le- lead role in a film and I think she she implies she's going to take it. I, I that's how I read it at least. These men. I'm not sure if. I mean, that's that, at least how Kukuru read it. I yeah, think is the definitely. most important thing. <laughs> yeah, and at this point, if the aquarium closes down, the question is: Will what happens to her then? Will she go go take that thing, or will she stay and be friends with Kukuru? And I, I think when this started out, you wondered if there were Yuri elements to it. Well, because that's what the anime news network reviewers really heavily pushing that this is a that this okay. is a a, a a soft yuri show mm, i i i, I haven't <laughs> particularly ha- got that from it but if that's what they, they want sure. i mean i like the like their their growing intimacy it's the so it's the age-old problem of like does intimacy indicate romance and I do think that the two girls are becoming very intimate friends and i think it, there's actually a very beautiful scene where where uh kukuru is like I've always wanted a big sister. It's all it's it's been one of the biggest things missing from my life, and I feel like I have that with you now. And Fuka's like we're the same age, bro, and she's like, well, <laughs> sure, but um, like it would really make me happy if like we went to bed and like on our on our little like Japanese floor beds next to each other and held each other's hands and they like make fun of it and then they're like, okay, yeah, sure. And so there is like this incredible intimacy, and I. I'm hesitant to impart romantic or sexual dimensions to that, not because I don't, I'm not comfortable with them. I don't, or I don't think that that's a possibility, but I think that this is just about two people who've struggled with intimacy because Kukuru especially has no friends. She has a guy who's interested in her and hangs around, but her friend is the aquarium and all the fish and Fuka also has lost a bunch of friends because she, she washed out of an idol group. Um, because she wasn't seen as ambitious enough, which I think is not something that's often highlighted in idol groups. Like there was a, a chance for a, a center role and she gave it up because one of her one of her co-stars wanted to like perform in front of her dying grandmother. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh at that. Uh, it's very anime. <laughs> but um, and and so the, the her manager saw that and was like, oh, she's not going for the center role. Then she's not like if you're not moving up, you're moving out is is the is the implication mm-hmm. there. And so it's two two extremely lonely people come here and in just like this beautiful tropical paradise, the vision of Okinawa that is given in Aquatope on the white sand is superlatively just like brilliant blue everywhere except for sand and the weird goblin god that that we still haven't really gotten a direct interaction with. And so like the idea that in this like two sad people in a in a beautiful paradise connecting in this just like rotting aquarium <laughs> it's yeah. it's really good it's everything that i wanted soccer quest to be and i'm worried about getting hurt like yeah. i was with yeah. soccer quest <laughs> because soccer quest really 
messed me up. I, can I just ask, so, because I, I, it's been on the list, I haven't had time to watch it. Um, Sack of Request, I think the main problem was that any resolution it had, it felt it very much didn't earn it. But it feels like, from the sounds of things, even if the worst thing happened and they did manage to save the aquarium, it is at least like the emotional connection that these characters have had have at least deserved that yeah. thing to happen. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, or that's, that's fair. I, I think there's this interesting thing, like you bring up there, Andy, that the, the character's emotions are the most important thing in it. Like something which happened in the latest episode, Ben, like um, Kukuru latches onto the idea of, okay, I can take this mysterious happenings which have been going on in the aquarium and I can make that feature. Yeah. And in a worse show it would actually dig into the origins of that. And in this show, it doesn't mm. seem to give a fuck about that. What it does care about is uh, emotional connections and the way that what's hidden is like, as you say, like this um, baby book she finds in her, her parents' belongings. Why do, why do her parents have two of them? She has no idea. It could mean she has a brother or sister. Or it could mean nothing. All it speaks to in the end is her, her loneliness. And as you say, her finding of a, a friend in uh, Fuka and adopting her as a sister. And yeah. that's the thing which matters, that emotional connection, not why is the spooky fish things going on? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think you're right, Andy, to call out, like, if the girls in Sakura Quest fail to save the town, the town's still there and it's kind of just dying faster than if they saved it. Yeah. But in this, like... Either the aquarium is open or it's closed. I mean, it's it, a business is different than a community because a business has a very binary state. So saving the aquarium is a much more concrete goal. And at the same time, I think they've done the same good job of building characters. So we see that there's a community that exists with the aquarium at its center. And I think the tension of if the aquarium dies, will the community die too, is much more interesting than if the town dies does the community that the town represents and houses die? It's a much less, it's a much sharper point of decision here. Yeah. And it was, it's what makes it exciting that like, it really does. I mean, Duncan can disagree with me and make me look like a total idiot because he does often, but like <laughs> it does feel at the end of, at, at the end of episode 11, the aquarium is shutting down. No, I agree. Kukuru is, Kukuru is delusional Unless something miraculous happens, this aquarium is closing in a few days. And therefore, decision point of Fuka to either betray her friend by taking a movie role with an up-and-coming director or to work for three or four more days at a rundown aquarium that's going to close at the end of the month. I enjoy the sharpness there. I enjoy, I enjoy that the decisions actually feel like decisions. There's no, there's no right decision here. Um, Kukuru is, is chained probably unhealthily to the status of this aquarium, even as she's trying to move past it. And uh, Fuka is choosing between success or friendship in a way that seems a lot more real and a lot more interesting. So I, I don't want to say that I love this anime, but it's, I was expecting not much. I was expecting sad girls in a magic aquarium and we got that. And I even liked that the magical part, like everyone seems vaguely like put off that Kukuru is using is trying to use magic to sell the aquarium. And what ultimately happens is her her love interest, the the guy who's like her childhood friend, he has an, he has a magical experience there as Kukuru is trying to be like get 
third-party verification that magic happens at the aquarium. And she asked him, did you have an experience? And he, like, literal seconds after having after having seen a childhood scene of when he first met her and when he first fell for her, he tells her no. He says the aquarium, like, no, it's just an aquarium. And I mm, think that's yeah. that's an incredibly, that's a, it's much more ambitious than Sakura Quest, which is hilarious because I think one of the big problems with Sakura Quest is it bit off way more than it could chew. And then it couldn't <laughs> chew any of it. And it yeah. spat it all out on the floor, half digested. But this is like, people are having to choose between what makes the people around them happy and what they need. And I think that is the heart of a good drama, at least in the genre that Aquatope. So I'm, yeah. I'm very excited to at the very least be disappointed by the next episode, in which case you'll hear from me. Even yeah. if it's a tween, I'll fucking say so in the <laughs> intro. Well, we've, the scary thing is we've technically got 13 episodes to go and like a lot can happen in that. I think that that's the why last... I fucking love two core, two core. So Indeed. much can happen in a two core anime. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say about this is, like, it's as you said, Ben. Throughout, it's been a a, a beautiful show, and and the the kind of the guest star of the most recent episode for me was was the typhoon, which is has been one of my favourite depictions of one. Like typhoons and tropical storms in anime tend to be done in a very particular way people there's certain cliches you have to get you're closing the shutters tick got that mm-hmm. there's the trees getting blown around tick you got that and then you've got big raindrops they, they you can animate that re- really well <laughs> yes but this does certain extra little things which really worked well firstly the visibility drops which is something you never see in 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 most shows because it's a, a nightmare to do because no one wants to start muddying the, the background but when you get a big rainstorm there's so much spray and so much water in the air that it's basically like a, a fog and mm-hmm. you get this diffused light in all the shots of the storm instead of it just being dark and dramatic it's it's like this mm-hmm. and the, my probably my favorite shot was of Kukuru arriving at the aquarium and banging on the window from a, a, outside and it being in steamed up and her just like being this blurred sort of like, like <laughs> silhouette it's with you can just see her sort of waterproofs just going like, oh, let me in i mean all of the typhoon moments like when when a window broke and they like put a table against it with like some cardboard and like a chair leaning against it and i was like oh anime come on that's not gonna hold and then literally like 20 seconds later like it blows past and just <laughs> just like yep it didn't hold at all yeah and it makes things worse as well because when it blows open, the the force of that happening breaks a, a pipe as well and starts yeah. starts stuff leaking. I know it's it's kind of like overdone, like the emotional and the the, the old old prophetic fallacy of of like the weather mirroring the the mood. But when it's done well, it's 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 fantastic, and this was definitely one where it was done well. Yeah, I mean it's it's the lesson that Kukuru needs to learn. But yeah, I'm. I'm excited to see more and I didn't expect to be and I don't think it's good, but I think it, at the very least it's telling a full story. It doesn't appear to be swinging back and forth between different plot beats like Sakura Quest did. I mean, stuff that I, I wasn't excited to see more of um, was uh, how not to summon a demon lord. Uh... <laughs> going from going from deep and profound emotional <laughs> gravitas to the second season of a show that Jeff called too horny to be even exciting last season. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, got a point. It's bad. It's really <laughs> fucking bad. Like, if anything, I was shocked that there was a second season because uh, the first one, 
is totally forgettable. Um, it's about a guy who gets summoned as a demon uh, lord, and then uh, because of his super powerful magic or some bullshit, the um, the slave restraining collar that was meant to be put on him was instead put on the two women who uh, summoned him, a big-titted elf girl and a flat-chested cat girl, which is literally the running joke for the whole of the show. Is that I was going to say, what a subversion, Andy. Aren't elves flat? Oh, God. <laughs> they do that constantly throughout the first season, and then the second season... It continued that there was a new character who was completely uh, forgettable. Sorry, I say that there were three new characters, and I say that because I forgot. I I I watched about six or seven episodes. Then I took a break for about a month, and then I came back and I watched it and was like, "What the? Who the fuck are these characters?" <laughs> I just c- completely forgot everything that happened. <laughs> There's a character called Rose who's, who's like a robot maid, and he has to. Um, charge her up, injecting his mana into him using his fingers on the base of her back. I mean, It could imagine- be so much worse, Andy, though. Come on. <laughs> I mean, Injecting they- mana into a robot maid could be so much worse. You should, you should be more grateful. It has been so much worse. There's, there's, there's notable exam- examples of big anime which have done worse things. This is why you can't run an anime podcast for too long, because I'm just like, oh, that disgusting, gross thing? No. Yeah, no, that disgusting. It's- <laughs> and, and, and it's very much five minute scene of them pseudo pseudo fucking um because i was trying to think about like why this show like even without all the horn uh like what is it that i hate and and the main reason is is because like diablo as a character comes back and it's that classic trait of i'm i'm a good guy i'm a human really but i'm actually now reincarnated and everything everybody thinks i'm an evil guy so i've got to now try and pass off my good natural human deeds as evil deeds it it doesn't make sense there's there's no logic or understanding as to why he's doing these things because he could just be like well you summoned me as a demon lord but i'm i'm not i'm just a do- I'm, you just you fucked up the summoning I, I, what hap- it, what happens if they find out he's human is there something that happens if they find out he's human can they send them back i guess not they have they have nope. the collars on so there's no stakes there's no stakes in him mm. you know being found out he just keeps doing it because he doesn't want to disappoint them and you know in overlord you, you the great thing about overlord is he has this hilariously like um meme edgelord character and then the great thing is over the four seasons is you watch his humanity fade and that yeah. sort of change is slow gradual and really interesting and rewarding as a viewer to watch like there's none of that in this it's just like another show where Every episode, another person with tits comes on board, loses her clothing in various ways, and then it moves on to the next woman with tits. Yeah, it's actually impressive to look on my, my anime list and like, except for two characters, the main character and some random guy at the very bottom of the cast list, every single other character is a woman. So yeah. <laughs> it's a harem. No, there's so much there's so much room for some good story. He has these girls on collars where supposedly he could get them to do anything. And he literally has never asked them to do a single thing ever. He just accepts that they're madly infatuated with him. Kind of sounds like it It has some of the same failings as um, Villainess in a weird way. Like this, this <laughs> protagonist who is complete, who has 
everyone interested in them, but is completely too shy to take advantage of that. Andy, you, you are someone who normally enjoys trash, who who can find fun wallowing in This is in not Andy's of kind mud. of trash, though. I will say, Andy does not like fantasy harems. He has never liked fantasy harems. That is true. I mean, there was some enjoyable, like, I'm going to say creative etchy. <laughs> like, there was some enjoyable <laughs> shots in the first season where you're just like, I, I, I get what that's doing, but that's a really funny way of showing something. Like, but like... There's nothing interesting in this. It's played by the books up to the first point when you see a, a, a character come out and then she gets she's chased by tentacles and they rip her clothes off and then you're like, okay, wow, this is to love her all over again. Andy, you know who directed this this second season of How Not to Summon the Demon Lord? Is it the director of To Love Ru? It's the director of Girlfriend Girlfriend. Oh, I mean, now there's no surprise. <laughs> it's exactly the same trash. And I'm contractually obliged to watch that Garbo next as well, which is maybe why I've Contractually. <laughs> I heard it's good. I, uh, Anime News Network, granted, we make fun of how bad their opinions are all the time. They've really enjoyed how, like, it's actually digging down into, like, what constitutes a polyamorous relationship. It's, like, weirdly, like, mainstreaming polyamory. I'm, I hope that you and Jeff both watch it and report back. Maybe uh, for a hundredth episode. <laughs> I, I I mean, it's not that in how in how not to summon a demon lord. Well, Omega. of course not. No, nothing interesting happens. Not even when he gets potentially ousted by the one person thing who could beat him it was like a raid level boss. But he knew the secret and he knew the strategy, so he just did it, and then it died. Maybe the worst thing I've watched this year. Actually, it oh, is. Dear. Well, I mean, let's wait till girlfriend girlfriend gets going. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> still got to leave some room open yeah yeah i've still got i've still got to you know put maybes it sounds like it sounds like it's not but maybe it will be maybe 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 andy will have just better raising your expectations before it dashes it yeah <laughs> well we were just talking about aquatope so it's it's the same it's yeah. the same business yeah okay well next episode is going to be a tween we're going to be covering girls in panzer uh, those of you who might think you understand everything about the series because Ben has talked about it unceasingly since it came out, um, you're right. Jeff. But listen to listen to a tween. Listen to Jeff like give one of his weird Jeff theories. Sorry to the listener who wanted me to watch Girlfriend Girlfriend. No, I'm just going to make Andy do it like some weird puppet master. Uh, <laughs> and then after that episode, we are going to have our hundredth episode. Granted, anyone who's been counting or paying attention knows that due to our many tweens our zeroth episode and uh 15.5 we have long since passed 100 episodes i think we're on like 123 or something but um this is our official on the books 100th one we're going to try to do something a little bit special so uh so stay tuned for that yeah. uh but in the meantime rate review and subscribe to us on the podcast platform of your choice Find us on Twitter at Keyframes Pod. Find us on Facebook. Search for Keyframes Podcast. Email us questions, keyframespodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, tell a friend. But uh, don't tell any friend, Ben. If I were you, I'd, I'd tell the friend who thinks that counting up to 100 is an interesting and important and noteworthy milestone. <laughs> 101. Are you one of those people who was like... <laughs> It's actually not the 21st century in the year 2000. It actually begins in 2001. Numbers are <laughs> just a state of mind. Why do we have to pay attention to that number? Why can't we pay attention to another number? 
<laughs> Go back to the imperial system. Yes, precisely. I'm going to say, tell a friend who has an unhealthy obsession with a failing business that she is peripherally related to. Give her something I mean, else to do. Yeah, I, for what it's worth, I, I am amazed that we got to 100. And uh, I'm sure I'll bring up next, next episode how... You, Maybe I'll actually... First, your, first, uh, your first time you said you put it down, I was like... Wow, you've named it zero zero what zero zero one, and I was like, yeah, I I think we're gonna get over a <laughs> hundred. I was like, you, look, right, I just show up, I just show up once every two weeks, and the episodes just happen. I can't, I can't help it, fuckers. Uh, <laughs> hey, I I edited the uh, I edited the end of decade retrospective. I will always hold that over y'all's heads. Yeah, yeah. I mean, anyway, I'll to the fair amount, but yes, on. we've all we've all suffered in the pain box. <laughs> So see you there next uh, fortnight. And in the meantime, goodbye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Goodbye. It's like, we've all suffered in the pain box. Hey, Duncan, how's it going in the pain box next week? <laughs> Look, the, the, rent in the, the rent in the pain box is very cheap, and one can't, one can't discount that. <laughs> Duncan, I can, I can maybe contribute to the pain box a little bit this week. I think it's the worst pre-roll. <laughs> I'm still recording. Is that what we're the calling pain. the editing editing duties now? Is the pain box? The God, pain I guess box. it's my turn. The pain box, mate. Okay. Like, uh...